Welcome to Game Over International. We've got a very fun show to know today. I was going to say tonight. I'm used to night shows, but we're not doing that. We're doing it in the morning. And I welcome in my guest today, Jesse Blake. How's it going, Jesse? Yeah, another member of SDPN forced to work by Adam Wilde. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it's fun to hang out with you, though, Jesse, because uh, I feel like it's been a long time coming where we've I don't necessarily think we've avoided, but it's just like everybody's busy. We haven't been able to get as many of the SDPN members onto the game over shows, but I get to go on the SDP, you know, somewhat regularly. So it's like a, a nice crossover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've just got a message from Robert that apparently can't hear you. So I'm going to have to change the sound flower thing here because this happens once in a while on OBS, I find is that the Soundflower properties, it just like messes up. Mm -hmm. And then I have to switch between the two channel and the 64 channel. So everyone should be able to hear Jesse now. Hey. Let's test it out. How, Gotta, how am I sounding? Am I sound, sounding good? It's, it's coming it, through now on the guest audio that I can see. So anybody who didn't hear what I said, I was hilarious. It was the <laughs> funniest thing that's ever happened. And, and we'll never repeat it. That. No, I'll never say it again. It's lost history, but it was really good. I'm record I recorded on my computer. I will have it. It'll be our <laughs> secret. Only we will ever know. None yeah, of you yeah, will yeah. be privy. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's hilarious. You mentioned the possibility of, you know, Steve getting away from Leo and coming onto the show. And I don't want to deprive him of his children, but hey, I deprive myself. No, I don't. <laughs> well, Adam the Wilde <laughs> deprives you of children's <laughs> The nice thing about the whole game over series, you know, between Montreal and this is that for the entirety of it, outside of a couple of weekend games, it's always when my kids are asleep, either in the morning or at night. So I actually haven't missed out on anything. It's been pretty great in that way. It, like the adjustment to working at nights has been different, but like, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of nice that I have, don't actually have to lose out on anything. So there's that. But have you talked about your sleep schedule on this show? No, <laughs> Uh, maybe I, <laughs> actually I might have with uh, Sean Fitzgerald yesterday morning. Okay. My memory's not great, like between mm -hmm. having two kids and altering the sleep <laughs> schedule. But yeah, I mean, I was talking with Jesse before we went live that I'm doing about four and a half hours on average the last week between like balancing other previous work and doing this show and Game Over Montreal prep scheduling and like creating the topics for the shows. There's, it's a it's a fair amount, but it's reaching an equilibrium now where during the week when the kids are at daycare i can go to sleep at like 9 30 a.m and wake up around four ish and then go get them so it's like i just sleep for the entire time they're at daycare and go get them 4 right p.m after. you're waking up yes yes 4 p.m yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so you're it's missing like, do you miss the sun entirely like no i get it in the morning up? okay and a little bit in the afternoon like a tiny tiny <laughs> bit on the drives you know right but right. uh the thing I miss is like everything that happens during the day. So I wake up at four and I have like a hundred notifications. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh, sh I got to figure this out. So it's, it's not that bad. It's better. Now the weekends are tough, but uh, mm -hmm. we should probably talk about the Olympics. Ah, now I want to hear more about your sleeping. This is more about my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it feels like the Olympics are starting to finally gain momentum. Like you think so? more people are kind of paying attention now that Canada's kicking off uh, both hockeys and they've won some golds here. 
Like, I feel like a little bit, maybe more people are paying attention, but I heard you and Sean talk about how they're just not the audience there usually is for these games. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. And I feel like there's a confluence of factors, right? And we kind of hit on that last show. There's the whole, you know, politically, the Chinese government is not an easy thing to support. And I feel like a lot of people feel like you're tacitly supporting them by engaging in these games. And there are probably a lot of people who see like the political boycotts and they're like, well, I guess we should boycott too. And then there's the time difference. It's tough for a lot of people who are still working to find the time to watch games in the middle of the night. Like I watched this snowboard cross, which uh, Canada won a silver medal in last night. I think that was like two in the morning, but most people weren't able to watch that. Right. It's just, I find watching the Olympics on delay. It doesn't feel as interesting. And of course, Sean brought up the human element that's lacking, right? And I think that's something that I didn't even notice until he brought it up. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It feels kind of transactional, kind of empty. But at the very least, there is like the celebration of the athletics part of it, right? We still have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, it's a little hollow, uh, especially especially when you look around and there, there's no fans and there's no interaction between the media and the players like you the the olympics is all about the stories like that's what drives the olympics is the stories and also people watching the games they can't watch it then it's non-existent but like you we're not getting any of the personal touch and there's definitely that that disconnect and like on top of it the winter olympics is the second pop most popular olympics the summer yeah. olympics is what drives it for the entirety of the world and the olympic the winter olympics are already less popular and then now you throw in everything that's going on with the world. It's just it just doesn't have the luster that the Olympics usually does. Yeah, I mean, fully biased hot take. The Winter Olympics are better, though. Like, I just find them <laughs> way more entertaining. I, can't, I don't even, I don't like the Summer Olympics. I find them super boring. Like what? so much of it is like, and now let's watch running. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't like running. Look at me. I don't like running. <laughs> or like, okay, let's running? watch 5,000 swimming events. And it's like, it's good for yeah. the first 20. And then you're like, oh my God, more swimming? Like, I can watch water polo. Running is the but purest sport that humans have. Purely boring. <laughs> no, I'll, the sprints are great. The sprints are great. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll get down with some Usain Bolt and yeah. There, there's Andre that. Grass. Yeah, of course, of course. Of I mean, course. the race between him and and Usain Bolt, where Usain like looks back at him as they cross the finishing mm-hmm. finishing line, iconic. But Winter Olympics, I find almost every part of it entertaining. Like from like the intensity and like atmospheric nature of curling to like the absolute chaos of snowboard cross, which on this show I keep accidentally calling slope style, but slope style is great too. I love all that stuff. Even like alpine skiing is crazy for just like having on in the background. The only thing I can't get down with is cross country. Yeah, I just find that's like that's running to me. It's, it's super boring. Yeah. It's too much. Too much of it. As uh, someone mentioned on the stream, did Andrew wake up to a new Habs coach? Not quite. I woke up to the firing, and then while I was on the way to daycare, that's when the Martin Saint Louis stuff broke. And I haven't even really had a chance to talk about that yet. No, no, yeah, because you haven't had a game over yet, and that mm-hmm. just happened. Yeah. That'll the the idea in the Winter Olympics that you're never going to be able to do any of these sports is very compelling. Like yeah. you see swimming as your as your example there. You're like, I can swim. I could do that. I know how to run. No, That's not very well. Basic. Not well. <laughs> I can do a shot put. If you gave me a couple minutes, I could learn yeah. how to do that little thing. I wouldn't be able to throw it far. But like luge 
and skeleton and even speed skating. Like never in a million years am I ever trying it or doing it. It's very it's it's a different dynamic than the summer sports. Yeah, somebody was knocking speed skating in the comments here saying like speed skating is boring. I mean, long track can get a little boring, but short track speed skating is insane. Oh. That's so entertaining. Crazy. I mean, if if more people wiped out in swimming, I don't know how you'd wipe out in swimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's called the drowning. Water. You're already <laughs> people drowning. Then now I'm happy. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Speaking of alpine, uh, I should mention uh, it was Elliot Grondin who won the silver medal in snowboard cross. Who I think it was almost like a disappointment because he was ahead like literally a half second before they crossed the finish line. And then he just like, he leaned a little bit too far back and slowed down a hair and lost by like an inch. Just barely lost the goal. The goal. Sorry. So unfortunately he seemed pretty happy. So Mm -hmm. pretty great. And also James Crawford won, I think it was some, it was like the 10th or something or 12th uh, Canadian medal in Alpine skiing ever in the Olympics. So, Big news for them. Yeah, shout out them. Yeah, they did great. Uh, skeletons insane. There's a sport where you can die. Yes, a hundred percent you can die in skeleton. I mean, that's what, what we were talking about. That was Sean a little bit. It was like, how do you start a sport like that? Yeah, because you you have to be you have to grow up around a skeleton hill, like a course. You yeah, because you're not you're not if you're from like Oakville, you're not traveling to a skeleton hill to go practice because one day you're like mom and dad i want to go do skeleton you know it's not kind of how it happens it has how to do be you sell your parents on that yeah yeah same with like something like bobsled uh we see like sean we're all we're doing is regurgitating everything the wonderful sean fitzgerald said but like uh when you bring in other athletes to just do bobsled like that's something you later in life you kind of just pick up because you're a great athlete it's not something you start as a kid yeah true yeah you i mean know, it's it's fascinating. It is. It is super fascinating. I love like that's one of the best things about having Sean on is he gets to bring this different perspective from actually covering the Olympics and talking to these athletes and hearing their stories. But it's been great to be able to talk to him about this kind of stuff. But also, I suppose we should probably talk about the men's hockey tournament because oh yeah, that thing. We gotta we gotta preview Canada a little bit, and Jesse wants to talk about some other stuff as well, specifically some cool betting ideas that he has on this tournament, but I'm actually, I'm going to pull up the men's hockey team because we're going to play a game, Jesse, everybody's favorite game. Remember some guys. <laughs> Cause yes. team Canada is filled with a lot of, Hey, remember that guy? Mm-hmm. There's a few guys that, uh, I mean, half this team is former Montreal Canadians, which is kind of fun, but there's some former Leafs too, mm-hmm. like Daniel Winnick. You remember him? Classic, classic Leafs player. He yeah. was in the Horacek years, I believe. I think he was the guy that the Leafs traded. And then he signed back with the Leafs and they traded him again at the deadline. Like the next yeah. year. I think Winnick was in the uh, Lamorello deal when he traded five guys on picture day. I think Daniel Winnick was amongst those five guys. I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. But that was the clearing yeah. contracts day. Yeah, it was, it, it was for. Day. He set up five players. Was that for Michael Grabner? Uh yes. 
Honestly, my my memory's not Steve, so I can't I can't That's do it true. off the top of my head. Yeah. But uh, I believe so in the Grabner deal. Yes, who didn't have a great year in Toronto, and then the next year went back to Long Island and scored twenty seven goals and then twenty five goals the following two seasons. Ugh. Michael Grabner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys. Uh, I don't know if there's any other Leafs here. I mean, Josh Hosang, not a Leaf yep. per se, but a Marley. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting one. Who else is a former Leaf? Is there anyone else? I don't think I so. Think that's it. Yeah, only those two. Yeah. Whereas the, the Canadians have Eric Stahl, mm-hmm. David Dearney, Jordan Wheel, Morgan Ellis, Mark Barbario, and Daniel Carr. Like that's that's a fair and- amount of former Canadians. The head coach who didn't make it. Uh, this Claude is true. Julian. Yeah, Claude Julien broke his ribs right before the tournament, and I hate to say it because it's kind of mean, but uh, the downgrade from Claude Julien to uh, Jeremy Colleton is quite severe based on track <laughs> records. So we'll see how the team deals with that. Right. But I, I feel like that's a pretty big loss overall because uh, Claude Julien, I have a huge amount of respect of what he can do in terms of like basically drawing blood from a stone in terms of mm-hmm. dominating at even strength. So we'll see how this team does with without Claude Julien. I Julian think the, also he was coaching Team Canada at this thing called the European Hockey Tour. Yep. It happened in the fall and that's where like some of this roster got together and they played a couple games and like it's unfortunate that you don't have your head coach that is kind of coached this roster up until this point and just before the Olympics he has to bow out because of unfortunate uh, rib breaking. Yeah, it is very unfortunate. And I mean, Claude Julien's had a r- bit of a rough go the last couple of years, honestly. Uh, last year, he gets fired. The year before that, he had a, I think it was a stroke during the playoffs in the, uh, in the play-in round. And the Canadians rallied around Kirk Muller and won that series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Or maybe he had it. Uh, no, he might have had it during the the series against the Flyers. Actually, to correct myself, yeah, rough couple years for Claude Julien. It's uh, deserves better than this. Come on, world, give him <laughs> something here. Win it for Claude. That's what we got to do. I think looking <laughs> win at this, it for Claude. win it for Claude. Look at the hashtag trending. There we go. I mean, <laughs> I people were saying it out. People were saying that last, uh, not last year, but the year before too. It was like against the Flyers, win it for Claude. Obviously, they did not. But uh, I'm looking at this roster, and the guy that I keep on looking back to as an X factor is Devin Levi, who, for those who don't know of him, he was the starting goaltender for the for Team Canada in the World Juniors last year. And just to talk about Devin Levi a little bit, he put up a fantastic World Juniors in 2020. And I know Canada didn't win. They lost the last game against the United States. But Devin Levi put up in that tournament a 964 save percentage and before you think oh well you know it's, it's just this a short tournament maybe he's not that good that same year when he was playing in uh, the cchl which i believe is a junior a league he put up a 941 save percentage this year at northeastern university in the ncaa a 948 save percentage this kid is so legit he is possibly like a franchise level goaltender coming in and good news for the Buffalo Sabres. I believe that's where he is 
edit. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo Sabres uh, prospect. Him and uh, Owen Power over there. If, if you're a Sabres fan, like you want to watch this closely because Levi looks like the future of the NHL. He looks like this guy could start in the NHL within the next year or two. Like from yeah. what we've seen at the World Juniors, from what we've seen when he's at Northeastern, uh, Northeastern, Northwestern, I should say. Um, like he, like you said, he's legit. And there's a potential for, for him to just hold steady for this team um, that's in, that hasn't played together. That's not, that's not inexperienced, but just has no chemistry. He can be the backbone that can get them through the round robin here. And then once they get some games together and they start rolling and you have this great goalie who's who's been a rock solid behind them, like Team Canada could get some real momentum just on the back of his outstanding play in the first couple of games here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's there's potential here in this lineup. Like the last Olympics, the team that Canada brought, like it was fun because there's a lot of European League players and there's a few guys that you remember. But I feel like this this roster is constructed a little bit more interestingly because you've got guys like you mentioned Owen Power, who was incredible in the World Juniors, has had a great start to his NCAA career. Mason McTavish, who was in the NHL to start the year and then has just absolutely dominated everywhere he's played this year. He, he just looks so incredibly talented. You got those young guys to kind of keep the older guys honest. And then they've got this potential fourth line here of Daniel Winnick with Adam Cracknell and Landon Ferraro. And oh, if you're yeah. familiar with those names, you probably know they hit a lot. <laughs> they like to crunch <laughs> guys. And they like Winnick, it's been a while since I've seen him play, but from what I remember, great defensive player. Mm-hmm. I love I love what Shane Doan has done here in terms of building the team because it seems like a team that's really uh, not that every team's not trying to win, but it seems like he's trying to find a formula that's going to work for Team Canada who doesn't have the NHLers. Like doing the, the bringing in the 19 year olds like Mason McTavish and Kent Johnston, and you have the 19 year olds out there with 37 year old Eric Stahl. Like it, it seems like such a an interesting way to build a hockey team, and it's gonna build in some uh, some issues at the beginning because you have this this dynamic of this team that hasn't played together that arranges in so much skill and uh, age. But once they come together, like that dynamic is what's really gonna work here because a lot of these teams, like the German team, they're going up against. You got a lot of returning players. Um, you have a lot of consistent age groups, like uh, the guys who are just going to perform the best. But Shane Doan looks like he's trying to build something that's going to find chemistry later on in the tournament and, and peak l- later on in the medal rounds. Like, that's what I'm hoping for. And I think uh, uh, just having that balance of age and skill is how you're going to do it. Yeah, 100%. And I find like there are players on there that I want to see how well their skill translates here because like I'm very familiar with David Darnay. I watched most of his NHL career with the Montreal Canadiens. And frankly, I think my opinion of David Darnay for a long time was wrong. And I think that's been proven by how good he's been in the European leagues, how good he was in short stints with, I believe the New York Rangers. Like my whole thought was he was just being carried by Max Pacioretty. And I think in some respects, that's probably true, but I never really appreciated how much playmaking ability he brought to the table. And I follow uh, some people who do like advanced numbers in European, le- European leagues. And one of them, uh, a guy from Quebec has been looking at DRNA and 
more generally, he does stuff for the Swiss League, which is where Darren is playing. And Darren has just like crushed the entire league in like controlled entries, controlled exits, like the entire neutral zone. It's Darren's world, and everyone else is just living in it. So I look at a guy like that who's not necessarily fast, but is intelligent with the puck. And I look at what they're trying to do here, and they have some fast players, but between Darren, Eric Stahl, you know, some of the defensive guys like uh, Jason Demers, Mark Barbario, they're not necessarily fleet of foot, but they're very good puck movers and very intelligent hockey players. So it's probably going to be a team that is not necessarily grindy, but isn't a kill you off the rush team. They're going to kill you with cycling and wearing you down and making better decisions with the puck than you do. And as much as a lot of Habs fans were very soured on Eric Stahl last year, even though he was part of a very good fourth line in the playoffs, I think the injuries that he was dealing with kind of were a disservice to judging Eric Stahl. And we might be seeing a bit more of a return to form for him. I know he's getting old, but... And Eric Stahl's a great hockey player. He's going to have a contract at the end of this Olympics. Like 100%. guaranteed Eric Stahl comes out of this on an NHL team. Like that's the whole point of him going over there. And just to like back up your point there about more of a grindy style of hockey, like crazy take here, but this isn't going to be the McDavid Crosby Marner uh, team Canada that we were expecting. No, Nathan uh, McKinnon gonna, here. Yeah, no McKinnon here. It's, it's not going to be the same kind of hockey. And I think they know that it's going to be on the small ice the NHL ice and they've built a team that doesn't have to get to the speed to, to play around the giant or international ice. And yeah, they're hundred percent going to be more grindy. The young guys are going to be uh, a little fast. You know, I think McTavish is going to, is going to blow by a lot of people, but the, the other core, like the older side of it. Yeah. They're going to try and grind out these wins. They're going to try and, and bully people around the ice and it's going to be fun to watch. It's a different kind of brand of hockey for team Canada that we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think it's going to work really well at these, these Olympics. Yeah. It's going to be super fun. I think that the main weakness that they're going to have is that any team that does have speed, right? If they, if they run into a team like the ROC that might have a little bit more speed just from being, a bit of a younger team uh, players that are intelligent, but may not be able to cope with that. Like Demers, like Barbario on defense might be a little bit sketchy, but those guys are also playing in the Russian league right now. Anyway, they're both playing for Akbar's Kazan. So they might be used to that and maybe they've compensated for it. And they do have those young players to lean on when they need to. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. I wonder if, this is going to be Josh Hosang's coming out party. I know he's oh, yeah. had a good year in the American Hockey League, but this is a real chance for him to make a statement that like, hey, I'm an NHL player and no one can deny me anymore. Yeah, all that stuff he talked about with Dubis uh, pre, pre-tournament before uh, getting over to Beijing, like him not signing the contract so that he could go over there. It's This is clearly a huge deal to him as soon as uh, NHL players bowed out and there's a chance for him to go to Beijing. Like I, I, I know he wants to, to prove something to the world that he's still a player because he's had such a rocky career. Like how can you not uh, have like a little bit of heart out there for Josh Osang and just his journey that he's gone through. And like, you got to be rooting for him in this tournament and that he comes out of it just like Eric Stahl with an NHL contract. There's a lot of guys who, who are trying to prove stuff. 
because they know scouts are going to be watching this. They know the world's going to be watching, including uh, guys within the NHL who have make decisions on contracts. And like I was saying, for sure, I'm definitely rooting for. And I'm rooting for him to sign with the Leafs. Let's be honest here. I mean, of course. The Leafs had a contract out there. The Dubas wanted to give it to him. And he said, no, I want to go play in the Olympics. And I hope he honors that. And he comes back. And if another team tries to swoop in there, Hosang says, no, I'm sticking with my Leafs. I mean, I guess it'll probably depend on how much money the other team's offering. But this has been a long time coming for Hosang because, frankly, this is a guy who deserved to represent Canada when he was in the world or when he was in the junior leagues. And... Mm -hmm was kept off for, you know, the fabled character reasons that it seems that only black players have, but, uh, or players of color, I I should say, seem to have all these character issues that are nebulous and undefined that seem to be just don't take shit from people who are awful. But yeah, he's been waiting to represent Canada his entire life and, you know, waiting to make the NHL his entire life. He's 26 years old now. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. I have a feeling this is going to be the best we've ever seen from Josh Hosang. Yeah. And I didn't realize he hasn't played in the NHL uh, since 2019, uh, 2019. Like it's been, he played 10 games with the Islanders that year. I didn't realize it had been that long. I thought he had a couple more stints, but he was in the AH- AHL and then he moved over to the Swedish league and then he came back with the Marlies. Like this is, this is a long journey for Hosang, and I don't think he's taking it lightly at all. No, not at all. And I mean, especially when you look at the production he was able to manage his first two stints in the NHL, he was basically putting up a half point per game to not get a chance again. Yeah, pretty crazy. You know, there's been a lot of roadblocks for him along his career. So I'm I really hope that we see the best of Josh Hosang. So I guess before we go any further here, Jesse, you got to tell yes. me what, what are your bets here? You want to okay. run by us all? So to pull back the curtain, I I asked Berkshire if I could pitch some of these uh, prop bets that I want to place on this game to him. And then you can tell me if it's a good idea or not. Okay. so here here's some here's some of them. First of all, Canada to win. Outlook. Yes. No. Ten dollar bet gives you fifteen dollars. Oh, is that all it's paying out? Yeah, it's a one forty four on the decimal odds. I mean, for 10 bucks. Yeah, why not? Yeah, a little $5 yeah. profit. I think there's enough here. Like last Olympics, I, I thought it was really clear that Russia, but not Russia, was going to win. This year, I don't know if it's as clear. You know, I think Devin Levi could change this tournament single handedly. Oh, this is to win this game. Oh, to win the game. Not the tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. This okay. game versus it... Germany that's coming up at eight. Oh, yeah. De- yeah, I would, I would place that bet. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Um, Okay, second period scoring. Both teams to score in the second period. $10 pays you out $25. Ooh. Second period has the long change. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the highest scoring period in hockey or not. I feel like the highest scoring period is actually the third period now. I, I don't think I would do that one just because Germany is a typically highly defensive team. So I think this one might be low scoring. Okay, stay away. Okay, so on to that. Over under for Team Canada, three and a half. I'm going to say under. Under, okay. I think it's going to be like a three to two game. Okay. Um, Both teams to score two plus in regulation. I'm going with all the the goal ones Mm because you think it's it's uh, 
it's going to be low scoring. So I'm just going to cancel all these out. Both teams have scored two plus. No, uh, I mean, good, good chance. But I mean, two plus. Yeah, I mean, that's really like over one point five. Right. So it's right, not over two point five each. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. You can push. What's yeah. what's yes. the what's the uh, odds on that though? Uh, ten dollars will pay out uh, eight dollar profit, so you get eighteen. I guess. Yeah, okay, it's not okay. the best payout, but it's, it might be <laughs> worth a try. Yeah, we're not making crazy money here. All right, um, one more. First period, does Team Canada come out and get a goal? It's yes. Uh, okay, so over. Uh, 0.5 goals in the first period for Team Canada. Yeah, I think they start out strong. I think this is a team that wants to make a statement. All right, that's. I think. I think Team Canada winning that over under in the first period. There are two bets we'll lean on there. Yeah. Big yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, before I wrap things up, because we usually try to stick to 30 minutes as per Adam Wilde's strict instructions. That mm-hmm. this is the only show that listens to that, by the way. <laughs> And Noxie and Cax have been all right. Have they? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, except I've, I've been trying to keep up with everything. I've listened to the first two. You're right. They're like 35, 37 minutes. But, but the funny uh, thing is uh, today's episode is going to like get to an hour. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. Can't wait. Yesterday, so. Awesome. Oh, and somebody says, uh, Frederick Diedrich says, no way, boys. Germany's got this one. And he puts the German flag in there. Boo. 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 But, you know, we love you. We do. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, before we let you go, we do have to talk about the live stream, Jesse, because I watched last night and I, I saw the heartbreak and I have to say, I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> want to, I didn't want to play last night's game. Like I didn't want to go on the stream because it, it felt inevitable that the Colorado avalanche would knock off my NHL 22 franchise mode, crab people, Toronto Maple Leafs. Like uh, it was tough. It's uh, where do we go from here? Do you have a plan? We we run it back like that's that's what we do here. We have all of our what what happened here is we have a three year window that I've put together here where all of our big stars are under contract. We just need to work around like the third, the third and fourth line in our third pairing defenseman. Like so we run it. This is a team that made it to the Stanley Cup finals. I don't I don't know if anybody out there thinks that they can't get it done. They've proven that they can get this far. They have what's they have it in them. Uh, we saw the Penguins go through this when they made the finals and lost. We, we've seen we've seen Boston go to the finals and lose. Well, they won the finals and won and then been back twice and lose. Uh, but like the team has it in them. You run it back. You try it again and you see what happens. That's my plan here. All right, let's do it. it. What if they don't win this time? Are you going to do another rebuild for another team? And is it going to be the Montreal Canadiens? Oh, so I have a four year contract in the game with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's eventually going to expire. And hopefully there's another team in the franchise mode that offers me a contract because that's, that's a feature in the game is pretty cool. So that's it's cool. a 20 year year life I have in the game. So and I'm year, in year five. And I'm in year two of my four-year contract. So eventually, my time's going to run out with the Leafs. And within this same mode, I'm going to be GMing another team, which I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with that. That is really cool. I feel like the, I'm guessing that it's probably not that realistic, though, because if you do a really bad job, you probably don't get an <laughs> offer, right? Whereas in real hockey, you could be Peter Chiarelli and interview for every single GM job that comes available. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this game should just constantly be throwing jobs at you if you're a Seriously. hockey Seriously. Yeah. As soon as you're in the club, every single job comes at you. If you do end up doing the Montreal Canadiens, Jesse, I think I have to join you on a couple of streams. Hey, that would be so much fun. If you could join me for uh, like an off-season stream. Because well, like be every... Every couple, every couple of years, obviously we do. We, there's a whole day, like on a Wednesday or Friday, when I stream on twitch.tv slash SDPN live, uh, it's the entire off season is what the two hours are. And if you can come help me make some decisions for the Canadians, that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, that'd be wicked. I'd be totally yeah. down for that. All right. We're going to, we're going to wrap things up because we can't go on forever as much <laughs> as I'd love to, because right, eventually I, yeah, I can see, actually I can show people if they want to see the youngest. He has awoken. I don't know if oh, I can. Yeah, he is, he's, he's up locked. on the bars. He's not making noise yet, but uh, he will soon be yelling that to wake his brother. That hair is incredible. Yeah, the other one just got his hair cut. I don't know if I showed you or not, but uh, no, no. he was like halfway down the back almost. And now he's real, not super short, but like short. And uh, it, was, it was like for the first time in my life, you know, like a lot of girls when they cut their long hair, they get like stressed out. And I, I was like, why are you getting stressed out? And then watching him, I was like, we're going to come home and he's going to hate it. Freaking Aww. out. And, <laughs> and he was happy. okay. Yeah, he's all yeah. right. He just, okay. he, he was just happy. He wasn't in his eyes anymore. But for 18 months, he was like, I don't want a haircut. I refuse. Oh, but now he wanted a haircut. Just the way it rolls. They just flip out of nowhere. For no reason. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this with me, Jesse. I really appreciate it. And it's fun to chat with you. I was going to say, tell everybody where they can find you, but I think they know. Here. Yeah. <laughs> in this thing. <laughs> yeah. I always put links for everybody's work in the description. And for you, I just put, you can find Jesse's work uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> where you are yeah. on stpn.ca and the YouTube channel. And all you that don't need stuff. to go anywhere. Although download the STPN app, because as I say all the time, did you know you can watch these shows on YouTube, on the app and shrink it down so, to watch like picture in picture but use other apps at the same time. You can't do that on the YouTube app, but you can do it on the SDPN app. Jesse didn't even know you could do it. I figured it out by accident. I was so. going to ask if you were going to reveal that I didn't even know <laughs> and I made the stupid app and I didn't even know that I had that ability within it. So I'm shocked. <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow. With, uh, I think Mikey Stevens is on tomorrow, so we're going to talk some hockey because we're going to have our first uh, Team Canada men's game tonight. And we'll also preview the women's quarterfinal game, which is super exciting. And then, of course, it's the weekend with Omar, which how can you not love Omar? He's the best. <laughs>